Well, last week I introduced a new series. We just finished a series in the book of Jonah, the Old Testament. Now we're doing a, a series looking at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the title of the series is The Lord's Prayer, not a very original, of course. Um, we call it the Lord's Prayer. That's the name it commonly goes by. But we saw last week, it's probably really, really better thought of and more accurately as the disciples because Jesus didn't need to pray it. He didn't need to ask the forgiveness of his sins or to, forgive, to be forgiven. Uh, he was teaching his disciples as John taught his. And when he asked, the Lord Jesus complied. And he gave them what I said last time is more or less a blueprint and we looked at that. Uh, we put a blueprint drawing up there last time, I believe. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, that doesn't matter whether that's there or not. The key is the Lord's Prayer is a blueprint that helps us know how to pray. Not just specifically to pray it rotely, although we can and sometimes do that. But it is something that gives us the focuses of our prayer life, the things that we should center upon, the things that we should be about asking God for. That's what the Lord's Prayer is intended to do, so that we have a guide that leads us so that we don't go off or just get kind of hung up or stuck on our own particular preferences, but rather we let God's Word guide us. And so that's the purpose of the Lord's Prayer and its focus. And we're trying to do that and extract some of that and understand that better. And last week, we did looked at what you might call the preface to the Lord's Prayer. And we considered the subject of God's paternity. Now, what is paternity? That's God's fatherhoodliness, being a good father, God as father. And we saw that last week. We start the prayer, our Father who is in heaven. And that lets us understand on a very important point right up. It lets us know that the matter of our standing before God belongs at the start of our prayers. We got, we've got to make sure we're in right relationship to God. And matter of fact, did you notice today in the prayer of confession that Rick led us in, in unison? It was talking on this Ascension Sunday, and it starts out this way. Our great high priest, you alone, Make us acceptable before God. The Father, there's that language, now looks upon us without displeasure, and we look upon him without fear. Why? Because of you, Jesus. That's what we prayed. That's the truth that we have to understand before we can come before a holy God. We need to recognize the relationship that we have. We looked at that last week a relationship of father, but that only comes about through a relationship, a personal trusting relationship in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord. This week, we're going to be considering, if last week was a look at God's paternity, this week is a look at God's person. Who is he? Who is this God that we're praying to? What is he characterized by? God's person. We're going to look at the thought of hallowed be your name. Now, once again, let's read the Lord's Prayer as it comes to us from Matthew's chapter, a gospel chapter 6, beginning at verse 7, just as we did last week and ending in verse 13. Hear the word of the Lord. 
And when you pray, excuse me, verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive, we ha- as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains and abides forever. Let's pray. Father, once again we ask for help, illumination, understanding of your word to be spiritually applied to us that it might result in something that is transforming. But Lord, if that happens, it won't be because of what a person said, Lord, or anything of that nature. It's your word, but only your spirit can make it to be effective and make it, Lord, to bring about change in our lives, to worship you and follow you and serve you the way you deserve and to treat you as we should and to regard you as we ought to as we're going to look at today as we think on what it means to hallow your name. Father, we pray that you'll give us your assistance and your help. And we pray it all in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, your only Son. Amen. What do you expect from God? Think about that for a moment. What do you expect from God? When you approach Him, when you... Get ready to consider asking him for something. What is it that you primarily are seeking? What do we expect God to do for us? That's usually, somehow, it ends up in something like that. Let me try to explain a little further. Most people, when they decide to pray, when they get ready to pray... To make a petition before the God of the universe, they usually have something in mind that they wish for or want or hope to achieve through that transaction called prayer. They often have an expectation of what God should, and I put that in quotes, because we're the ones that supply the should. What God should do for us or ours or others. Sometimes it's stuff. Sometimes it's success. We think it's God's job to give us stuff. We think it's God's job to give us success. Or perhaps it's God's job to alleviate all our suffering. And we could go on and on multiplying our desires. You see, we tend to pray for the things that we want, that we desire. And in some cases, people almost look at it like, well, that's your job, God. An expectation. But my friends, 
The Lord's Prayer gives us a different expectation. It guides us. It leads us to think about another expectation from the other side. That it really isn't all about what you and I expect to get out of prayer. But have you ever thought God may have expectations of us? Of you and me? Of what he wants to bring about in your and my prayers? That might not be all about stuff for us, but about things that are near and dear to his own heart, to his purposes, which are eternal and unchanging, as we sang this morning in that great song, Our Great God. What if one of the major concerns of prayer is not aligning God to give us what we want, but bringing us into line with what God wants. What if that's one of the main reasons Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer? To model our prayers in the way he told his disciples to pray. Some of you know, of course, many of you know the famous C.S. Lewis. And maybe you've read some of his books. You've seen movies, adapted movies and uh, of the Lion, Rich, and the Wardrobe and the various uh, books uh, in the uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Well, some of you may have even seen a movie a number of years ago in which C.S. Lewis, uh, it's about the relationship that he had late in life with Joy Davidson. Uh, and had be, had become his wife, and unfortunately she ended up dying of cancer. And uh, prior to that, situ- in that situation, of one of, uh, of 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 Jack's friends came to him and said, "Jack, look, I know, I know how hard you're praying. I know how earnestly you're praying, and I know God's going to answer your prayers." And in the movie adaptation, whether it's all exactly correct or not, but here's the general idea. In the movie adaptation, it basically said to the friend, he said, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I can't help myself because I am helpless. And he says, I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. And then he said these profound words. I pray not because it changes God, but because it changes me. He's saying, it's not about me getting God to do my will. It's I need to pray to be connected, to be in a relationship, in a conversation with my Father, so that I might conform to His will. So that I might be more in line with his purposes and what he wants to accomplish in me. I'm not trying to twist his arm. I'm dependent on him changing me. With that in mind, let's look at three points this morning about this idea of hallowing God's name. The first major petition. This is where it starts. Not where it ends. It starts here. 
And that should be important guidance for us. What does it mean to hallow God's name? What kind of prayers hallow God's name? And finally, what do we need to kind of focus do we need to maintain when it comes to hallowing God's name? So first of all, what does it mean to hallow God's name? Uh, The first request that is here that Jesus teaches us that we make to the Father in heaven is hallowed be your name. Now, the word hallowed is an old word, um, and we don't use that in our vernacular much today, except unless we're praying this prayer. But it, it comes from a root word that is means to make holy, to make special, separate, set apart, to make holy. It means to sanctify, set apart, or make special. Regard as special. We can't make God anything, but we can regard and view him and see him and long for him as the one who is set apart, special, sanctified, holy. The opposite, of course, of that is what? To profane to disgrace, to besmirch God's name. Now, you know there are a lot of ways that can be done. But it's not just through cursing. It's not through through someone with drops too many words that he shouldn't or she shouldn't drop. But it can be something that is much, much less obvious But it's a way of disregarding, of not even caring about, not even being concerned with God's name. When we pray that God's name be hallowed, we're asking that his name, and by the way, when you say God's name, you are really talking about his person. God's name is is pointing us to him. It's not just a name that has no meaning. It is, is referring to the God of heaven and earth. So when we speak of God's name, we're talking about his person. And so what is being asked for in this prayer is that we pray that God will enable us to honor, reverence, and magnify God's person, his name, his person, as he deserves. In other words, treat him like who he really is. Regard him that way. See him that way. Understand him that way. This is the very heart of the whole concept that is throughout the Bible, both old and new, but particularly in the Old Testament. But you see it in the new as well. The whole idea of the fear of God. What does that mean? Does that mean that we're you know, scared to death of God? Well, some people should be if they're outside of Christ. But no, it's talking about a holy reverence, a respect, a regard for his glorious person, who he is, what he's done, treating him as the God of heaven and earth as he deserves. Psalm 22 verse 23 says this, You who fear the Lord, praise him. 
All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Reverence him. All you descendants of Israel, fear the Lord. Have a regard for his character, his holiness, his beauty, his glory, his wonder. Treat him as the God that he is. Unfortunately, at times, our prayers and mine are too close to distortions. Sometimes we act like God's deaf, ignorant, or he needs a little cajoling. He needs a little, you know, elbow in the side or something to get him to figure out what he ought to do to grant what we want. Our prayers often reveal a very, very inadequate, to say the least, view of God. Sometimes we treat God more like a vending machine, don't we? And you go up to your vending machine, you know, you put the coin in, and you wait for your Snickers bar to drop out the bottom, you know. But you put that coin in, and if it doesn't come out, you're going to be seeing management about it. You're going to get that Snickers bar. But we treat God like a vending machine. I, God, I, I brought the money. I put, I put put something in the plate today. God, I did this. I, hey, I, I didn't I didn't I didn't say that bad word this time like I usually do. Now, now what are you going to give me? Where, where's my candy? Where's my result? You see, that is not at all the picture here in the Lord's prayer. Other times, our prayers reveal. That we respect and reverence other things more than we respect and reverence God, our Father who's in heaven. Things like celebrities, officials, congressmen, presidents. Leaders, corporate executives, whatever. We can even do this with our loved ones. Having loved ones is a good thing. But anything that becomes above God is first and foremost in what we want to honor and see honored is an idol. It's idolatrous. We can even have an idolatrous heart and give respect to our loved ones more than we do to God. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'll be glad, my father would be glad to take second spot in your life. No. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Everybody else falls in that second category, including family. It's first God. Do we see it that way? Well, what kind of prayers hallow this great God's name? What kind of prayers hallow God's name, practically speaking? What does it look like when we try to get the gist of this model prayer, this focus? What kinds of requests advance the honor of our great God? Well, here's three ways. One, we can ask him to help us give him the glory that he deserves. Now, you know what? I have no problem 
putting a lot of time and a lot of effort into getting the glory that I think I deserve. I'm pretty, pretty good at that. I work hard at that. But how hard do I work to making sure that he gets the glory? Romans 4.20 says this. Talking about Abraham. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Giving glory to God. It's not about me, Lord. It's about you. I don't know what you're doing, God, but I know that you're going to bring about through all of this in my life and you're going to advance your glory. And I'm happy and content with that. That was Abraham's thought. Also, I love this passage from Psalm 115.1. I have to say it to myself a lot. Not unto us. Not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us, but unto thy name. Unto your name. Give glory. Unto your name give glory. I have to struggle with this. Just very recently. I try to be conscious of this. But I found myself in trying to describe and somebody was asking questions. And I was trying to explain some things that God did. And yet I'm absolutely convicted and convinced and I've confessed it. That I know I, I somehow got somehow Joe Greider more prominent in that the storytelling of God's doing, it doesn't mean that I don't have a part in it and a place. We get to be partners with God. That's all true. But again, we can find a way just to milk a little bit more of the credit for ourselves. If we are concerned with honoring God and reverencing His name and treating it and hallowing His name, we will be very slow to give ourselves the glory. Make sure that we get some press clippings. Make sure we get some recognition. We've all heard what's said. It's amazing what God can do if people don't expect to get some kind of credit or recognition for it. Now, let me say something totally that's important. This is not to say we're not to encourage one another. That is important. But as Harry Reader told me years ago, when someone came up and complimented me on something and Harry was sitting there across the table and the person said, well, I, I don't want to, I, I know I shouldn't have done that because I don't want to, you know, uh, uh, cause you to stumble or give you, give you the big head or whatever. And Harry said, said, honey, you don't need to worry about that. You just do your job. You encourage him. God will keep him humble. God will find a way. If, he's get, if he gets the wrong idea and begins to think he's something that he's not, God will take care of that. You just do your part. So we're not talking about from the standpoint of trying to encourage one another. But I'm saying we got a sneaky way of making sure we get the proper credit. And that is nothing of what this is all about. Another way, we asked him to make us see and sense his greatness and his love and worship. Is that a passion of ours in our prayers? Lord, please let me honor you. Let me feel your presence so that my worship will be what it should be. Lord, I can't do this. I can't bring, I don't regard you to help my heart. Tune it. Tune my heart to sing 
your grace. To fall before your glorious transcendence and your eminence. Your nearness and your otherness. And worship you as you deserve. We have to ask God. That honors him when we ask for hearts that are like that. We ask God to name, that his name be honored all over the earth. Not just in our lives. You don't just say, God, use me as an instrument in your hands. We do. But we should be saying more than that in this prayer that honors God, that hallows his name. Because we're concerned about what others are doing as well. Do you know that was the basis of a lot of the prayers of Moses and Abraham? Remember when Moses basically said, God, I know we messed up here. I know they messed up, and I, they deserve to be obliterated from the face of the earth. But God, remember, if you do that, all those pagans over there are going to laugh and going to say, yes, yeah, some God he is, couldn't even keep that bunch of ragtag Israelites out of the grave. I mean, they, they, he's saying, that's going to hurt your honor, Father. That's going to hurt your great name. It's going to cause them to be dismissive of you. You see, that's concern for the honor of God. Finally, what do we focus on to maintain the right kind of honoring God's name? What is the focus we need to maintain if we're going to honor God's name and hallow it? You realize the petitions in this model blueprint prayer that we've been referring to, they cover everything we're supposed to pray about. The strange thing is we don't pray about usually a lot of things that Jesus tells us to pray about. We add a bunch of others in. It's very interesting what he's concerned about here. We often pray for personal fixedness, (laughs) fixedness. In other words, I often pray, oh, Lord, I'm such a mess. You know, would you please make me better so I won't be such a mess? I don't find that anywhere in the Lord's Prayer, do you? The first step in spiritual growth is not to pray for inner feelings or for even change. But that God will indeed be God in our lives. That we will be captured by the greatness of who he is. Not even focus so much on the messiness of us. Yes, there are sins to confess. But this point I'm making is God is trying to say, focus on who I am, Joe. Focus on who I am, my child. Look at me. Keep your eyes on your father. Glorify me. Be absorbed with me. And the things of this world will go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When that happens. You see, we're so by, so introverted and we turn in on ourselves and we try to, we want God to fix the mess. The right we really experience change is when we are more obsessed with him and his purposes and person that's what begins to lift us out of the quagmire and of the muck that we often are in
in our spiritual lives. You see, the focus of spiritual life is not an experience. It is God himself. Let me say that again. The focus of the spiritual life is not an experience with God. It is God himself. It is becoming lost, as the hymn says, and wonder, love, and praise. I'm going to be far more beneficial to the world and to what I'm supposed to be doing if I'm more and more lost in my Father's love. Now, am I telling you that's all the time for me? No. I probably struggle worse than most of you. Maybe very bottom 10% somewhere. That's probably giving myself too much credit. But it does make a difference. And I know that when I do, it changes. And it brings honor to him. You see, this focus on him should not only be true in our lives, but do you know it should also be true in the lives of those you pray for? When you're praying for someone else, and we are encouraged to do that, many places in Scripture, when you're praying for someone else, often we end up praying either for what's ostensibly on the surface that we see, they need to be healed or they need a, 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 you know, a, to find a, 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 a new house. or whatever. And those are all legitimate to pray for. But we, we focus just on what we see or what they say rather than on what is going to bring them to become hallowers of God's name along with you and me. We should not pray primarily that others will change their ways and stop doing the things that we don't like, but that they will come to know the Father more deeply and more intimately and revere Him and honor Him and respect Him and praise Him as they should. That's what we ought to ask God to do in their hearts. You look at Paul in Ephesians in the first chapter. His prayers are all about God doing something in their hearts and their relationship and increasing their hope. It's not usual the things that we might expect. You see, the ultimate goal of our mission is that those who profane God's name will come to understand who he really is. A God of infinite holiness to be reverenced and a God of amazing grace to be loved. That's the goal of missions. It's to pray that God will be treated and respected and prayed to and honored like he deserves. We're to pray that everywhere in our lives and those of our neighbors, even folks, our enemies... This is where Jesus says, pray for our enemies. What? Pray that they get absolutely steamrolled and slaughtered? No. Pray that they may be slain by the Spirit, so to speak. That they may be overcome by the Spirit of God and fall at the feet of a holy God and reverence and become His worshipers. Do we want to see them obliterated or do we want to see them become part of the great host with which no man can number from every tribe and tongue and nation? Are we going to have a Jonah's heart or are we going to have a compassionate heart like God that wants to bring the nations in 
And though they may oppose him now, pray that they might have their eyes open, that they might come to know and fear this great God. We are pray that everywhere in our lives and the lives of our neighbors and enemies, that his glorious name will be honored, magnified, and adored. That's what we're to pray for. Listen to this picture from the book of Revelation, chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. This captures it. This brings it together. This is the kind of focus in our prayers. And if you have to read this passage, sometimes I, I, I have struggled. I have to go find a passage of Scripture and read it to get a feel of what I'm supposed to be asking God for and praying for and being obsessed with. And, and as I think on Him and His holiness, this kind of passage encourages our prayers to be in line and to hallow God's name. Listen to the way his name is hallowed. Revelation 5, 11 through 14. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands, and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea. And all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne. And to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever. Ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. You see, the Lord's Prayer is to start with that kind of awe struck wonder. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, help me. To understand how great you are. Who you are. To honor you. To adore you. To be lost in wonder and praise. Like we just read in Revelation. If we begin to grapple with that. And even if we just get part of that. We will be more in line. With the blueprint that Jesus gave us. Stay tuned. Next week we'll look at another thing. That we can ask from our Father. Let's pray. Father, pray now that you would, once again, Lord, help us to apply your word to our lives. And may, Lord, it, as we hear and listen to your word, help it to shape us. And may it yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness in us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.